first episode of the NPD League podcast, National Pastime Dynasty podcast, other names for this podcast. Um, I am Max, your commissioner, three-time champion. I'm joined by John, your reigning champion and ex-commissioner, and Huck, who's also in the league. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to be try and do this every week or every two weeks, um, at least after the draft is done, once the season actually starts and we have something to talk about. Um, this is going to be pretty dumb. If you're listening to this, you have a lot of free time, and that's okay. We're going to still try and have fun with it. Um, John, Huck, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. How's it going? I, you know, I'm sorry I didn't chime in on such that gracious intro that you had. From... <laughs> well, it was Huck an is in the league. He's also in the league. I don't I mean, listen. We're talking about accolades and trophies, and I'm just trying to be as accurate as I can. Huck is the founder of the league. Is that better? You like that? I mean, I got second place last year, so, you know. Oh, that's what you so, want to hang your head on. Not the founder, yeah. but Silver Man. Yeah, I am the founder of the league, yes. And that's second place distant, is my best finish, so whatever, I'll own it. Place. I will own it. <laughs> okay, um, hopefully down the line we end up having people guest on the podcast and just to talk shit about other teams or, you know, talk trade, whatever it is they want to talk about. Um but I think this start, would be a pretty engaging podcast if everybody just came on and negotiated trades. That sounds – people would love to hear that. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Let's just have Chris on every single week. It would be perfect. <laughs> Chris would be like, listen, you have a really good player. I have this guy I picked in the 22nd nobody's heard of. Let's, that's let's my it. nightmare. That's my <laughs> nightmare. Just have Trevor and Chris go back and forth for hours. <laughs> uh, so let's start – with um just to get it out of the way and not harp on it uh, the astros all your feelings all the things that upset you about it huck i'm guessing you're gonna start yes i mean so when when me and max discussed doing this podcast the first thing he said was i don't want to talk about the astros don't want to talk about the astros at all well unfortunately throughout the mlb throughout you know the the entire media is all about the astros right now and as an Astros fan, if you told me three or four years ago that the entire 2020 offseason was going to be about the Astros, I'd have been thrilled. Absolutely thrilled. You know, the more Astros, the better, because six, seven years ago, you couldn't get any host to talk about the Astros. And now that's all they talk about. Unfortunately, it's a terrible thing. And I know this, it's a really touchy subject that we got to touch on once. I know people don't want to hear about it. I understand that nobody wants to hear about it, but you have to talk about it and get it out in the air once your feelings on it so my feelings are that no matter what i say on social media in public to people in in the chat etc i know what happened in 2017 was inherently wrong this is as close as i can get to what i think it might feel like to be a trump supporter in that I see the media fly off the rails every single day about the same bullshit, go in depth about things that have no effect on the future of baseball. I'm forced to defend something that I inherently know was wrong, but yet I have to stand behind the Astros. This is something I grew up with. I love the Astros. I will always love the Astros. 
whether if if Springer came up and killed somebody on the field, I will love the Astros. Uh, so I can't just abandon them at this juncture, which I know they bent the rules. And like I said, it was wrong. Um, you'll see me on Twitter arguing with stupid Yankee and Dodgers fans who will all season long boo and at every they will go on the uh, Astros Twitter account and just it'll be some charity thing and they'll say cheaters, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I will argue with them, you know, whatever, poke the bear. Oddly enough, not the most annoying thing you do on Twitter either. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but what, what I'm saying is I'm just doing that because I think it's fun in my heart. I know what the Astros did was wrong. 2017 uh, was, was not right. The facts are that we, we we did cheat and we don't know whether the Astros legitimately won or not. But then again, we don't know whether the Astros legitimately didn't win or, you know, it, it's whatever. We can't just say, well, the Yankees would have won, Dodgers would have won, et cetera, et cetera. So now what I want, and I'm not just saying this to be a homer, I want to move on. And I want the Astros to move forward as a better team, the team that we know that they are from 2019 that was – a couple innings away from winning the world series legitimately. Um, and, and yeah, that that's, that's how I feel. Well, and the fact of the matter is, is if they had won it in 2019, um, yes, we would say that it's legitimate. Yes. The report came out that it only happened in 2017 and parts of 2018, but there would still be questions. And so um, it'd be worse. It, it'd much be, worse. it'd be much worse. You're right. Um, as an Astros fan, this is it's it's rough, man. It's it's rough, and um, I I listen to other podcasts and I hear other Astros people coming on and talking about it. And um, for me, you have to own up to it. Like you said, everyone knows it was wrong. And what I don't want to hear are the people that come on podcasts and say, "Well, everyone else was doing it, or it didn't really affect the game," because that's bullshit. I mean, it was it was legit wrong. Um, but like you said, we're going to support the Astros. I mean, I have an Astros tattoo. I don't know that I would go as far as supporting a murderer as you would, but, um, it, it was, it, you know, it would, hurt his, it would hurt his keeper value. That's for sure. It, it definitely would, but still anymore. eighth round is still pretty good. I don't know. We'd have to see, have to see what kind of prison sentence he's looking at there. But it's um, not a head lead off after that. I can tell you. That. <laughs> but uh, but it, it's it's been a brutal brutal off season, and so I think we're all just ready for the games to start and for everything to get going because um, I'm tired of listening to it. At the same time, what they did was wrong, and what happened was wrong, and you you have to talk about it because if any other team would have done this, we would be on the other side of this and we would be saying the same exact thing. I'm not sure. I, I, I legitimately don't know if I would have attacked, I mean, maybe Yankees, uh, but anybody think, else? No, any successful team. I think any of us would have feasted on this. Absolutely. Well, I, like, I don't know, but you, what the fun thing is that the most silent, I mean, mostly silence that you hear is from the nationals. Nationals beat us, and they beat us fair and square, and we played them fair and square. They have nothing to say. Well, these guys are cheers. Well, we just beat them, so it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Yeah, Soto said. Soto said, "Hey, we got to move on. This is you know, it's in the past. It sucks. 
but we got to move on. He just won a championship. The people who lost are the people who are bitter and the people that continue to lose, no matter if it's the Astros or somebody else, they'll continue to be bitter. And that's what brought that adding, adding someone like Will Harris to the roster um, could affect that response i mean we do you think adding somebody like garrett cole to the roster is going to make the yankees that's a true story but we're really talking more about the personalities of the nationals versus the personalities of the yankees and i'm not saying anything like i respect aaron judge i think he's an awesome guy i i think he would be a good person so i was disappointed to hear what he said but i mean i mean mike trout came out and said that he uh, exactly yeah. yeah And well, we all know that was right. Was shit. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I it's it's been talked to death. I don't respond to people on Twitter about it. I like seeing funny posts here and there. Uh, I saw Anthony Rizzo was joking about it live on the mic, making trash can jokes, and that's just gonna keep happening. And it's not like I the way the athletic frames it because this is how they're making their money right now. That drives me nuts. That being said, I'm still going to prescribe to the athletic. It's legitimately every article they have. Prescriber subscribe. Baseball. Huh? The doctor <laughs> gave me a prescription for the athletic <laughs> twice a week. Did I say prescribe? Yes. yes. Good. I don't give a shit. So I'm not going to unprescribe from the uh, – yeah, that time it was on purpose. Suck my balls. Okay. I'm not going to quit reading The Athletic as much as I hate their slanted coverage of this because I get it. This is how they make their money. They're the ones that broke the story. And so every fantasy article is going to revolve around Astros cheating. And, oh, well, you're getting a discount on Astros players, but they did cheat. And even if it's just a rankings article, it's got Carlos Correa front and center. You know what I mean? Even though he's not the best shortstop in the league, it would make more sense to feature Francisco Lindor or Trey Turner or somebody like that. But if they keep putting Astros places, people will keep mentioning it and keep spreading it and they're going to keep getting subscribers. So for, for the first time in my life, I've been slanted towards certain journalists and I've started to hate certain journalists. Um, I, I, I have never done that in my life for any sport and said, you know, this person talks trash about the Texans or talk it, because, you know, everything that certain people said has been so benign, but there has been, certain reporters Evan ever since and before even before the uh the astros cheating scandal i mean when we were talking about osuna that i just looked at and i said man you are not talking from a journalistic standpoint you are literally using your pulpit to uh to talk about your dodger fandom or uh you know talk about something that you feel strongly about outside of baseball um, which really makes me, I, I mean, I've, I, I just don't want to read their articles like I used to. Um, so it, it's odd. It's a weird feeling. It's not a feeling I like because people like Jeff Passan come out with a lot of great news and a lot of news that you have to read. Um, uh, you know, Buster Olney, you know, has said some things. Other people have said, you know, some things about the Astros. And I'm like, oh man, not this guy, because I read this guy's shit every single day. Um, it's just something that we're going to have to get through. Hopefully by the all-star break when the Astros are in first place, this is never going to go away, but yeah. you know, 
at the risk, uh, don't I don't want this to turn into an echo chamber of well, Astros are great and they deserve great stuff. Even on the That's, notes here, we had seven minutes or less. Please, we're well over that. Yeah, let's, I mean, let's this start is not going to be a weekly thing. It's not going to. Well, be I know, I know, I know. Well, it is though in the group text and at the draft. I promise it'll come up. We'll have a nice long, drunken, stupid conversation. Out of people who have fancy baseball group text throughout the country, I would say that our group text has Astro. Uh, cheating scandal talk the least, I would guess. Well, but that's because we're all speculating about Victor's number one pick. Mm. That's way, way juicier than anything. Any yeah, I, and I want to talk about that. Not now, but so soon. <laughs> draft. We, got, we have a draft coming up in 17 days, if math is right. Uh, two weeks, whatever. A week from Friday. week from Friday. No, uh, two weeks, two from, weeks Friday. from Friday. Yep. Yeah, see, we're close. Yeah, we're good at planning. Um, what the, are you guys, you guys getting there Friday morning? Yeah. Yeah. If we can get in at nine o'clock, I will be leaving my house at six. Good. I like that. I think the Dallas caravan is leaving pretty early too. We have to get uh, confirmation from Sutton on that, but I'll yeah, be there. If, uh, basketball games, early. basketball games start at 11 typically. Um, and so I would like to be there and settled in and, and drinking by the time the games start. Definitely. Which, which brings up a, a fantastic point. Not, uh, with the draft coming up, we got to figure out like the week of food and other things. But more importantly, um, of course, the entire weekend is going to be revolving around baseball, a lot of baseball discussion. But at the same time, I feel like everyone should do a bracket together because yes. we're also going to be watching basketball games the entire weekend oh, and sure. being the first weekend of the tournament we will have two full days of watching games on friday and saturday so i think it would be highly encouraged that everyone join a bracket pool together yeah no i'm yeah. on board with that absolutely um I'll, I'll create one here coming up and and we'll get some some going um okay. Awesome. I'm going to be bringing um, just a lot of liquor. The N64, same as last year. And just a nice. bunch of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm I, an adult. Yeah. Like $5 games of Mario Kart was, was fantastic last year. We need to do more of that. Absolutely. Maybe raise the stakes. $8 games? I don't know. I'm just I don't know. Let's get, get pretty wild. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there would be enough time. Um, good. Awesome. So... Now I want to know top three teams. We, the only thing we have to look at right now are everybody's keepers. Um, most people kept eight. Some people, dumb people, kept seven. Um, a lot of people are starting off on a much higher platform than other teams. For instance, I'd like to think that I have really good keepers. I know that dad's got great keepers with Trout. He used to have Arenado and traded him for Chris Sale, and that is really panning out for him. Um, Ethan doesn't have a single player kept in the top 10 rounds and he still has some pretty decent players. So everybody's on a different foot right now. I want to know top three teams going into the draft for each of you. Uh, so mine are um, the, the top three are already kind of finished in the top half last year. Uh, like you said, um, dads are un unbelievable. I mean, you have what may be the best pitcher in the league, the best hitter in the league. Um, and yes, Chris sale isn't working out great, but he's got the potential to be an ACE and Chris Paddock in a late round as well. 
um, is, is phenomenal. And then next for me, unfortunately, I hate to say this is Max. Um, yeah, pretty good because uh, I mean, with Freeman Rizzo and Altuve and Betts, you're, you're starting off your offense. I mean, it's unbelievable. I don't really trust that Devers is going to be as good as, as he was last year, but you kind of have to keep him in the third round because he would probably go in the top half of the first round if he didn't. Um, so uh, after Max, then it gets kind of close with a couple of teams, but I think it's Matt with uh, Yelich and, and Keston Hira make a big, big push. Blake Snell, if he were healthier, that would be a phenomenal uh, player in the last round, but still in the last round, he's, he's great to have. And I think Vlad Jr. is going to be much better this year than he was. So um, those three are really starting with a leg up, I think, on everybody. Yeah, uh, I don't agree with the Max one. I, when you don't have a pick till the fifth round, I mean, oh, yes, yeah. he's got good keepers, but he doesn't have a pick are till the shocked? fifth round. But I'm I'm just that's the that's something I disagree with. Um, I, He's my number on one, Jose Abreu. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> just saying. If he, you know, you you didn't keep Freddie Freeman, you may have gotten him again. I, I don't know. Absolutely but, not. No, Freddie Freeman. Not even close. Top two pick. Sure. If you set yourself up, you know, I think we remember five or six years back when Kyle selected his first eight people as keepers. And you know you could Different do that story, but you could just you could have like a pretty good team, and so you have those top eight people. But I'm just saying you're missing out on every other person. You had no idea what would happen when all these people threw their players back. You had no idea what was going to be there. So you're blocking yourself out for the first what uh, you know 50 picks. So it's whatever. Yeah, it's I've in the first four rounds I have like four top four 40 players. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with it. But I want to know who your top three are, not what you think about Mike. Uh, so my number one uh, is going to be Chuck, just because uh, his the players that he he has on his team already are amazing. I did think he made a big mistake with keeping Osuna over Whit Merrifield. Um, he backs it up, saying that he could take Whit anyway, uh, but uh, the fact that you have Ozuna, which everybody loves for whatever reason, um, yet he could not trade him to anybody. He tried last year um, and then kept him. Uh, that makes me uh, it makes me question why he did that at all. Um, second, I would think John. John has, you know. No first rounder. I totally expect him to throw Nelson Cruz back just like every single year. Nelson Cruz is one of those first second rounders, um, but he kept him. I think he's like 46, 47 years old. Um, he's 39 so, turning 40. Okay. And he's going to hit, he's going to hit 30 something home runs. Um, it's, you know, that's a good shot. I mean, you won last year with uh, Scherzer and Verlander, although they're aging, you still have, two of the top five pitchers in the league. Do you still have Scherzer? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Just for Uh, Lander and and Kluber. I'm sorry. Kluber in the 21st. Um, But a couple of young guys, you know, it's always key to have young guys. Wander Franco, who may be the best prospect that we've seen in the last three or four years. Um, And uh, he's got Trey Turner late and Victor Victor Mesa, who 
I I wondered whether I was going to pick Luis Robert or Victor Victor Mesa last year, and I picked Luis Robert, and you know we'll see how Victor Victor Mesa uh, plays out because I literally was only going to take him because he has the same first and middle name. That's too many Victors. It I don't is, think it's going to work out. It's, it's just not risky. possible to say Victor Mesa. <laughs> That's true. I wonder if at some point people are going to be like, oh, it's VV Mesa. You know what I mean? VVM. No, I, I like you have to say his whole name. You can't even say Victor Victor. It's just Victor Victor Mesa. Um, kind of like Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, third, I had a third, is uh, Trevor. I love Trevor's team. I'm a sucker for young people. Uh, Adalberto Mondesi. Do you want to rephrase that? or? <laughs> no. I'm a su- <laughs> I'm a sucker for, for young players, young people, whatever. Uh, Montessi in the first, Acuna in the fourth, which at the time we were like, oh, man, that's that's pretty early for, for one of those, uh, you know, people that haven't proved themselves now. Look at him. Story, Eloy Jimenez. I mean, literally, Bo Bichette, A lot of his people, Michael Kopech, most of his people are under 25, um, and he's still got a second and third round pick. So really like that team. Well, um so I, I, in order to help me pick my top three favorite, um, I looked at average draft position from NFBC, uh, National Fantasy Baseball Championships. And there are two teams in our league where all eight of their keepers are average, on average drafted in the top 150. Um, there is, so dad has five keepers in the top 50 and all eight in the top 150. Matt has six players in the top 50 and all eight in the top 150. Matt is my number one team right now, um, which the craziest thing about it is I think Matt made one of the worst keepers decisions in the draft this year. Um, Keeping a top 150 player, keeping Sano over Olsen, who is a just, he's a lock to go in the first round, like Olsen 50 homer power, like one of the strongest guys in the league. Um, I'm gonna check my notes. Yeah, well, look at your notes. So, plus he's starting out with Soto, Bieber, Bogarts, uh, Vlad Jr., Yelich. I mean, his keepers are ridiculous. Blake Snell in the 22nd, he can get hurt again, or he could be Cy Young. Who knows? But either way, it's the 22nd round. Nobody's got better value in the 22nd than that. I'm looking. Uh, I mean, Starling Marte, maybe. Yeah, used to be, but maybe. No, Starling Marte. He, he's a, not better than Snell at his best. He's a top fifteen outfielder. It's still it's he's just he's he's starting out with a damn good team. Matt Matt made the championship the first two years that he was in the league with no keepers. So the fact that he's starting off with this, especially with I think he's got five of his keepers in double digit rounds, um, that's pretty stout. So So Matt in his in the in that first draft that we had that was like throw two year players back. And he gets to draft out of those. You got Yelich at 15 and Xander Bogarts at six. That's pretty good. I'm pretty sure wow. Yelich at 15 was a you pick, right? You throw him back. Every person in the draft that's a keeper <laughs> is my pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can see that in the uh, – so the second tab, the draft pick origin, I thought that was pretty fun. I thought I'd have more guys than that. I was very uh, – that was really neat to see, I have to say. Well, well done on that. So number two – no shock is dad's team. It's ridiculous. He's got Mike Trout. I 
if he still had Arenado, he might have the number one uh, set of keepers in the league. But that being said, he's starting out with a stout team. Um, Garrett Cole in the fourth looks better than it used to, and that's been a great keeper for a while, and he still has all three of his first three picks available. Um, the third team for me, and nobody else mentioned him, is Andrew. And part of the reason I'm picking Andrew, so in his first seven rounds, he only has one keeper, Javier Baez in the sixth. He's starting out with Baez, Justin Turner, Nolan Arenado, Glaber Torres late, Starling Marte late, AJ Puck I think is going to be incredible. And all those guys I just mentioned are 17th round and later. Like he's just got so much uh, to work with in early rounds. He's got that perfect mix of, okay, he's keeping some guys where it's like, you're not going to not keep Baez in the sixth, but also first five rounds, he can have anybody he wants. But that also puts a lot more pressure on this draft. If he fucks it up, then it doesn't matter. He's not going to make the playoffs again. I think he's only made the playoffs one time in the last three or four years. So for guys like him and Ethan and Sutton and Victor always, um, the draft is 10 times more important than it is to the rest of us because they have so many early picks. Yeah, Ethan, you're picking a whole new team. Yeah, and basically. I'll say, I mean, you really do have to kind of take this with a grain of salt looking at the keepers because Andrew's a great example of he's had fantastic keepers for years and and failed to make the playoffs. And um, I had to kind of come to the realization because I had a fucking terrible draft last year. I don't know what happened. It was just awful. I picked like Malik Smith in the fourth and Nick Pavetta in the third. It was hey, just you, the you worst draft. Really early too. The, oh, really early. Well, cause they're both terrible. Um, I think I kept Malik Smith all year, but that, that was a mistake, but still um, I had an absolutely terrible draft and my team was kind of floundering halfway through the year and that's what made me go out and trade Scherzer for Abreu and Nelly Cruz and um, I think Keichel because I needed some depth because my team was just not good. And even though Scherzer is a fantastic keeper in the 15th round, granted he's getting a little older, he's still a top five pitcher. Um, I, you know, I do worry sometimes folks are scared to trade those keepers and it's the same with the way I got Scherzer was trading Acuna and Bo Bichette from Trevor. Um, so Trevor rebuilding traded a, a top two pitcher at the time in the 15th round for some young guys. And look how that's worked out for him. And I kind of regret, you know, trading Acuna and, and Bichette and, and those guys. But at the same time, without trading them, I wouldn't have gotten Scherzer without trading Scherzer. I don't think I win the championship last year without Nelly Cruz, Jose Abreu, and Dallas Keuchel. And so um, sometimes these keepers, they'll, they'll get you only so far. Now, is dad probably going to be a top two to three team this year? Yes, he could have a terrible draft. His team is that good. But um, but the, the draft and the day-to-day stuff makes such a big difference. And you can't be afraid to trade some of these big-time keepers because it, it can make the world of a difference. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Can't be afraid to trade at all or pay attention or or use any of your moves every week. I'm not talking to Brad and Tony specifically. Tony uses all his moves. He's just not somebody who likes trading. You know, there's a lot of leagues uh, out there that aren't ours that don't have trades or people just don't trade. 
Um, and so ours is a little bit different where you wake up and before you get to work in the morning, people are on the shitter trying to get your first round pick. I mean, that's just how it is every single day. Um, I, I think that Chris actually got in the league. We'll see if it's, you know, the same this year, but he got in the league and he decided that he wanted to mix it up so much um, that he would get some good keepers for not only now, years to come. Turns out he wasn't in any of our top threes, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how his, his trading antics do this year. So he, he didn't start with a great set of keepers last year. I do think he upgraded his team. And I also, I could be wrong, um, but I, I expect him to scale back some of the trading talk this year just because it doesn't work on everybody and i like he and i talk trade damn near every day but i do that with like three or four people in the league i really don't i'm not good at my job during baseball season it's just not something that's going to happen um but there are certain people for instance i don't think he's ever going to try and text brad i don't think he's ever going to try and trade for goldschmidt again i think half the league probably tried to trade for goldschmidt last year and that's it that's the last straw i'm never trying again Yep. I think we should talk about the worst keepers and not the teams. I mean, if that's what you want, we can talk about the teams, but uh, no, no, let's do individual players. Um, just because it picking the three worst teams, I looked at it and again, I'm using the average draft position thing. Honestly, once you get past like the top five teams, everybody's pretty even. I mean, we're a league full of smart baseball people. So everybody's mm. got some pretty solid keepers. Yes. Even Victor. It's a very political statement. Yeah, I don't makes. know. I don't. I don't know if that's uh, the truth. Are you are you running for office in uh, this league? Listen, as Were an impartial commissioner. commissioner? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I want to give my worst three uh, first because I'm afraid that we are all thinking the same players. It's um, awesome. Which which maybe we're wrong, and so I want to give mine first. You know, make it look like it was me who thought of this. Number one. And this is one that just sticks out to me. And it, well, first, let me get it, make it clear that Matt said that the worst keeper in the draft was Andrew Benintendi. I mean, he had a really bad year. It was a down year. Um, it was one, one year. He's now going to be hitting a little bit. Uh, he's going to be dependent on a little bit more without Mookie. Anyway, put that behind me. You know, that's opinionated. What I don't think is opinionated is <laughs> what 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 I don't think I like is that you're like listen, Mookie Betts is out of the lineup. Ben Intendi is going to hit way better now. Okay, no, I mean, is he, uh, just just watch. I mean, he's going to improve his numbers. There's okay, not a lot of place okay. to go up, go but up. Um, That's he did fair. win me fifty bucks. He beat you know that guy in uh, in steals last year. But anyway, um, okay, so Kirby Yates, I think. So. Kirby Yates at number four is my worst. Now, I'm not here to argue whether Kirby Yates is the best closer in the game because I really think that last year was a phenomenal year. Uh, he had like a 1.19 ERA. Uh, he, if you rank uh, all the relievers by saves, which there's a million ways to um, to judge relievers. I mean, you don't have to do saves. You can do you know, strikeouts, et cetera. But if you do it by saves, um, he's clearly number one. He had 101 strikeouts in 60 innings, 1.19 ERA, 89 whip. I mean, it was amazing. But if you're talking about ranks from one to 10, so let's see, uh, I'm sorry, only one, four, eight are taken in the entire MLB. 
So the first person saves, fourth person saves, eight person saves, taking the entire Major League Baseball. Eight was taken in round 13. Four was taken in round 15, which was Hater by John. Uh, and then uh, Kinley Jansen by Brad in, uh, in 13. It, the only other reliever that was taken besides those three was uh, Presley, Ryan Presley, in the second to last round by Dad. So that tells you if the draft is like a stock market, which I absolutely believe it is, um, that – and honestly, you don't know who's going to keep closers and who's going to throw them back. Uh, but it ends up that if you have the number one closer in the fourth round, uh, it's just not good value. And this is something that I've learned playing this league for you know seven or eight years, that closers usually get recycled also – Closers usually don't have a two to three year span where they are the most dominant person in the game. Um, so I just don't like that value there. Uh, number two, Chase Pick. I hate on it last year, Domingo Santana. I, he fell off in 2018. Uh, he came and had a pretty good uh, pre All Star break last year, and he fell off again after that. Okay, so he signed a minor league deal with the Indians not guaranteed a spot over there. I wouldn't want to lock him up as one of my keepers in any round. 21 home runs, 63 RBIs, 200, 253 average, 77 or 770 OPS. He's not worth keeping at any point. Um, and I think he has him in the 15. It's just, that's just somebody I would have thrown away. Uh, and then lastly, John Gray. I'll joke about this all year. John Gray for Brad, 150 innings, 150 strikeouts. So he had a one-to-one -one, uh, strikeout ratio. He's walked 56 people. He, he, he only pitched 150 innings, had 13 quality starts, 11 wins in course. You walk 56 people in course, it's not that great. Yes, he, honestly, he was the best Rockies pitcher. But whenever you draft Rockies pitchers, you know what you're in for. And he kept one. So those are my three. All right, I, I would like to go next um, because I'm worried that John actually picked some of the same ones I did. Uh, Huck definitely didn't, so that's neat. I, yeah, love, I was very surprised. I love Kirby Yates. I, th I think Kirby Yates is fantastic. Um, I, if, if he goes did back to the draft, let's pick him a third. Did you hear my explanation? You know, I, I heard your explanation. So Kirby Yates, first of all, 15 Ks per nine last year had a FIP of 1-3, the next best person, pitcher in the entire league with a minimum of 50 innings was Liam Hendricks with a 1-8-7 FIP. Like Kirby Yates was not just the best closer in the league last year. He was by far the best closer in the league last what year. What if you get like Brad Hand like eight rounds later? Uh, well, wasn't Brad Hand kept? Either way, I, no. don't want, I don't want Brad Hand I would if I can get Kirby Yates. He's the best of okay. the best. I think Kirby I'm, Yates I'm... could get 50 saves this year for a much better Padres team. Sure. I mean, but if you add Brad Hand with, let's just say, a fourth rounder, you know, you have, I don't know, a great pitcher or, or uh, you know, Jose Bray or some shit, you know, I don't know. But you could add those together and make Kirby Yates. I, no, I just don't it, think it's good value. It depends on who the fourth round pick is. For instance, the worst keeper for me in the league this year is David <laughs> Peralta in the fourth round. It's not even close. It's not even close. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> David Peralta is a fine player. And again, I, I did all, all my research was done using average draft position from NFBC. And I'm looking 251. through. 251. No, no. I, from when I pulled this, it was 257. Oh, it's 251 so, today. Okay, so today. So 250 players, including John Gray, including John Burnie. Uptick. 
like Tom John Bertie. John Bertie. I love okay. John Bertie. Good, great. He's getting drafted above him. Um, is he really? Yes. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Travis Darno is getting drafted above him. He was kept in the fourth round. So Again. a trend that you need to look at with Chase. This is Chase team we're talking about, right? Yeah. Uh, look at the totals for Peralta 2018. Oh, so Chase just didn't watch baseball last year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, look at Domingo Santana's uh, numbers. He has a hard, really hard. This is the same guy that t- uh, kept uh, what's his face, um, uh, catcher for the Giants. Buster, Buster, Buster Posey, Posey for yeah. seven years. I mean, Buster Posey is pretty much dead. This is the first year he's not <laughs> he's not kept him. But uh, Peralta stats, 75 runs, 25 doubles, 5 triples, 30 home runs, 87 RBIs. Um, and so he came in this year, and, and he had 868 OPS, came in, drafted in fourth round, decided that that was the best value. But, yeah, you're probably right. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it's awful. My number two, the second worst for me, is Will Myers. Victor in the ninth. One or two L's? Uh, only one <laughs> L on Will Myers. So not only so, – I think he could have drafted him again in the ninth or 10th or 15th if he wanted to. Um, I don't know where Will Myers plays this year. I think the Padres are better if he's not a, an everyday outfielder for them. I think they have better players. At least they did before they traded Margot. Um, I get that the potential's there for him to be a 30 homer, 30 steal guy that bats over 250. He just hasn't done it. And anytime he starts playing well, he gets hurt. Um, uh, his ADP, by the way, is 278. Yeah. So in in Victor's like, defense, can you go to his team last year and decide who you would like better? Nobody. I, w- I would like Will a Myers. ninth round pick better. That's what I would I know. Well, I mean, he, he needed something. He needed players. And, and he got them. He traded for them for the exact reason that he was a keeper because he just didn't have any other keepers. And people were selling Will Myers. And like I said earlier in the chat, it is amazing, amazing that Will Myers – has not been dropped by anybody in like six years. Since he no. won the race. Yeah. Oh my God. No, Levi originally had him. He was obsessed with Will Myers. Yeah. The one time Will Myers played well was right after Levi traded him. And then he was like, finally, I'm free. And played really well for one year. Um, by the way, I know Victor's team is the easiest one to make fun of, but I'm just looking at his last six rounds where he's got Andy Har, Gregorius, Austin Hayes, Aaron Judge, Willie Adamas. Like, he didn't need Will Myers. He's, I, I don't think, I think he would have been better off with going seven keepers, even though keeping seven keepers is dumb. Um, and then the third worst for me is Andrew Benintendi. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it has like, I, I don't know what his ADP is. I'm sure he's like a top 150 player. 150 yeah. Player. Yeah. He's up there. I mean, he's that's, that's the thing. You it's have, You could have redrafted him in the third without any concern. You could have drafted him in the fourth or fifth if you wanted to, I think. Um, mm. It's not that he's a bad player. I just – I think he's very Adam Eaton-y where it's like, whoa, he's a really good baseball player. You know what I mean? Like he's a really good player to have in your lineup, but in fantasy baseball, that doesn't matter that much. You know what I mean? In fantasy baseball, he's probably going to get you, if he stays healthy all year – 80 to 90 runs. He'll get you some triples, which I know is really exciting for you. He'll mm. probably get 15 to 20 homers. Big triples, guy. 20 steals-ish. He's no, like, he got eight last year. Uh, eight steals-ish? 
um, it, it was it, it was just not a good year overall. But no, but what you it was a bad year. What you expect this year, assuming he comes back and plays better, I still don't think he comes back and plays at a third round value. I think in the third round he has to have some sort of extreme. He has to be able to hit 30 homers, maybe, or steal 30 bases, maybe, or bat 300, maybe. He can't do any of that. He's just all around a really decent player. I can get Adam Eaton in the 10th to 12th round this year and get almost the same exact stats, assuming that he stayed healthy. So I, I wouldn't have done it. Mm. Well, agree to disagree. It was a bad <laughs> year, but uh, he did hit 40 doubles, and he is going to be hitting at – the top of the Red Sox lineup, which is always good. So we'll see how it turns out. John. So, so um, the only one that I had on my list that you guys haven't talked about, because I agree, David Peralta is, is top of the list is, um, is Reese Hoskins. Um, Hoskins, mm. you know, he didn't have a, a, a God awful year last year, but I, he hit like two twenty nine. And mm. I believe in the second half, he hit below the Mendoza line the entire entire second half of the season. Um, and I'm not saying that he's bad. In fact, I think he's a really good bounce back candidate. But I think that Tony could have drafted him in the first round. Or he maybe somebody else could have drafted him in the second round, maybe the third round at the same time because of that low year. And I always try to look at that return on the investment of where that person would be drafted. I think Ethan did it a couple times where he just kept drafting Corey Seager in the first round. Um, yeah. But, you know, if you know you can get him in the first round, don't keep him. Put your put your money elsewhere. I looked at guys like Domingo Santana, and while I agree he's not a great keeper, at the same time, going into the draft, the 15th round is kind of my cutoff. Fifteenth round is and on are all just lottery tickets for all of us. We're yeah. all just hoping to pick somebody that's going to wind up being Francisco Lindor or Aaron Judge or something along those lines. And while I don't believe Domingo Santana fits that bill, I don't think you can have a bad keeper fifteen plus. No, it doesn't because, cost you because it really doesn't cost you anything. It costs um, you opportunities. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. Sixteen through. Look at the, look at who's who's had the most keepers kept 16 through 23. I have 18 people on that list. Most of them are from 15 to 22 because in those rounds, those are where you make future magic right there. Um, and that's a fantastic argument to have as many, especially if your team is not as stout as some of the others, have as many opportunities in 15 through 22 um, as you can to to. And the more lottery tickets you have, the better yes. options you, there's, better chance you have. There's only so many of those you can take, though. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read off some of the, some of the uh, players that were actually drafted in the 15th round last year and that weren't kept. So these are not keepers; it's just guys that. So Tanner Roark, uh, Francisco Mejia, Astadio, um, Joe Adele was picked, which is a great pick by Dad, obviously. Mejia um, was somebody that could have been great, or he could have been, been a catcher of the future. Jed that Lowry. was a great pick in that, in that spot. Jed, Jed Lowry. Lowry is another one where he could have been somebody that was pretty good. Robinson, Chirinos, Cesar Hernandez. Like I, I'm just saying the opportunity cost to have Domingo Santana, who can be a power bat and a lineup full of power bats, 
in the 15th round, that doesn't bother me at all. There's no difference yeah. to me in the 15th round and the 19th round. It's the same caliber of player that you're drafting. Yeah, and that's what, how I look at it in the draft as well, is if I know I want to draft a guy and I don't know if I can get him in the 19th round, I'm, I'll take him in the 15th round or the 16th round because – I mean, if I know somebody that I want to get, I'm going to take them as quick as I can. That's why I took Acuna in the fourth round and everybody freaked out. So I took Wander Franco in the 11th when I probably could have waited much, much longer. But no, I you to make could sure not. I got him. I wanted really. him in the 12th. So and that makes me feel much better. Good. You and dad. Dad also took Chris Paddock right before, like dad picked two picks before me. It was Joe Adele and Chris Paddock. And I was like, this is really fun. I'm having fun at this draft. <laughs> But I mean, uh, I just think that those later, those later guys, you can keep them because you just don't know. You know, Chase is keeping Mitch Haniger. Would I have kept Mitch Haniger this year? Probably not. Um, poor guy, man. Right? Yeah. But uh, but you know what? He could come back and be phenomenal. He could come back and and be top ten round talent. And in the twentieth round, that's that's pretty darn good. Yeah. Okay, I want to start talking about rule change proposals. So this year, um, as uh, right before the draft starts, I'm going to be giving a draft presentation. I've prepared, I've obviously done some research for the podcast. I've also done some research, for instance, everybody's historical record going back to the beginning, um, starting with year two. Like as soon as we started doing head-to-head scoring, I've got everybody's win-loss and and some other things. Another really important thing we're going to be doing is voting on rule changes live. I expect this to be a complete mess um, because by the time we do this, we'll all have had several beers because I expect we'll do it by like 11 a.m. But I, in the draft presentation, I've outlined each and every rule and I want to get y'all's take on, let's see, I'm looking at, it looks like we have a list of seven rules with a potential eighth that was submitted recently. Um, so to start, what do you guys think of the Yelich exemption? This is uh, what Matt proposed, being able to drop injured players in the playoffs without losing keeper status. I, I understand where he's coming from in, in uh, MLB. The Brewers are able to put Yelich on the DL and bring somebody up and not take a roster spot. While I totally get that, I think fantasy is different, and I think that it could create a mess. I know how difficult it is to put those those keeper forms together um, and, and make sure that they are accurate. And I I just don't like the idea of being able to drop somebody and then say, oh yeah, yeah, but they're still they're still my keeper. Um, I, I I just disagree with this one. So why – so is there a reason that you can't put Christian Yelich on your DL? Let's say you already have two players on the DL. Then you have to make a decision. Team. I don't un- understand. Yeah. You have two spots for this reason. If your whole team gets hurt, then that's tough shit, man. Then you're in the playoffs, so you should be glad. Um, the, the thing is, if you have three really important players that you're going to have keepers who are hurt and you're still in the playoffs, then – hell you need to choose whether you want to go forward and keep this team intact for the next year and future years to come, or you want to try to win this right now. That's uh, the decisions that we make 
all the time. That's the decisions that I made with Ben and Tindy that last year, this is the decisions. I mean, he wasn't hurt, but he was because sucking he ass. Sucked. So, yep. you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, <laughs> I had nowhere to put him. It's you know, I can't trade him. I'm not going to drop him. So whatever, these are decisions that you make throughout the season where you weigh your future versus you weigh your right now. Well, you could have dropped him. Um, I, yes, I completely agree. You, if, if I, if Altuve was taking up a DL spot, I would, you'd have to murder me to take Altuve. It would, George Springer would have to murder me to get Altuve <laughs> off my roster. So it's, that's the spirit of the keeper league. I, this one was a no brainer for me. Um, next rule change proposal, shortening the season. Basically I'm calling it the Jim Sorgi rule. Um, because as you know, in week 17, whenever the Colts had already clinched the buy in the playoffs, they would put in Jim Sorgi, which fucked with everybody's fantasy leagues. If they still had fantasy football going on in week 17, I think weeks 21 and 22 are the equivalent of fantasy football week 17. I would like it to be shortened to 20 weeks, um, but we have an option for, so basically the options are, do you want to shorten the season? And if so, do you want it to be 20, 21, 22, something else? So, so I'm the one that suggested we take off the last week. Um, I started with only one week. However, I feel just on a side note that this should not take place until next season. Um, because the last weekend of the, the, um, the season this year is actually a little bit early. It's September 27th is the last day of the season. Um, if I have my, my calendar is correct, I believe Max is getting married on September 26th, which would be the last Saturday of the season. And I think there is no better way to ruin Max's wedding by having 16 guys standing in a corner screaming at someone's phone watching MLB TV. <laughs> I think that is just a phenomenal way to spend our time at the, at the wedding and the wedding reception. I mean, that's right. I'm on board with that. 16 yeah. guys. Really? Six, are you are you going to tell Victor that he's in he's invited your wedding? Have you have you sent out the invite to Victor? I just I, I'm sending invites only to Brad and Tony. I just want okay. the gift. I don't want anybody yes. to show up. Just, you, know? you could have your wedding in Brad's backyard, and he would not be there. <laughs> well, tell 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 Aiden I invited everybody. Sorry, um, hey, no, but weddings are in cheap. looking it's, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, super cheap. In looking at this. Um, the season really does end early. I mean, we don't have any games going into October at all. It ends with three days left in September. So already this year, the playoffs start one, two, three on Labor Day. Um, the playoffs begin on September the 7th. And that is if we kept it the exact same spot we're at. If we lose a week, the playoffs begin on August 31st. If we lose two weeks, the playoffs begin on August 24th. Now, we changed it last year to where the trade deadline was August 10th. Now, that means we have two weeks between the trade deadline and the end of the season if we take off two weeks, three weeks between the trade deadline and the end of the season. I do kind of like that because teams really know where they stand and they either need to make a move or start selling. Um, but I don't think we can go too far. I really think I totally agree 
the last week of the season is a disaster. It was just Red X City for everyone, for me and Huck during the championship. Um, there We had so many guys taking days off. But I think two weeks is too much only because it shortens the season. I mean, you're, if you don't make the playoffs, your season's done for September. I. I don't have a strong opinion on this either way. I will say that I would vote for one week just because like last year we saw people like Mike Trout just take off, you know, the angels are out of it when he's just going to you know, rest his foot, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I will also say that in those later weeks is this is different from football in week 17, where in week 17, you know, you have a bunch of losers playing. If you're if you're a bad football team and it's week 17 and you're just finishing out the year, you're throwing third string guys, practice squad guys. Well, in baseball, a lot of these future players, the people that are going to be good, are trying to get some MLB time. Um, like you said, I know you're going to laugh at this, but John Bertie, uh, John Bertie was on my team last year, going uh, throughout the playoffs, stole a bunch of bases, pretty good ball player. Um, you, Tommy Edmond, uh, Sean Murphy, a lot of these people were playing really well for me going through the playoffs. I think shortening it up um, would take that kind of away on these late bloomers of people who are coming up in August and September and really kicking some ass. Um, and you don't want to just kind of cut that short. I think part of the game, part of winning a championship is finding those people. I haven't looked at John team, but I'm sure he had a few, um, but finding these people who are coming up and making a difference for their team uh, in this last month of the season. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair point. I mean, the rosters expand at the end of August. So no matter what, once we get into the playoffs, there's going to be some odd resting and things along those lines. We'd have to really, we'd have to bring the season down to like 18 weeks in order to avoid that. And that's not something anybody's up for. But. I think one week because a lot of people, these big players of their teams, not going to make playoffs and they may be ailing after 150-something-odd games and just say, you know what, shutting it down for the season. And that would kill you if you were, you know, first place all year and somebody gets shut down. Mike well, Trout, I will say – Mike Trout got shut down week 20 last he year. He got hurt. Yeah. So that's a different thing. Also, well, he got remember – the uh, the rule changed this year, so it went from 25 to 26 players on the active roster throughout the, the year, um, but it also changed to where um, you went from 40 to 28. They can only have 20. They can only expand to 28 after September 1st this year. So that might change it a little bit to where you don't have that huge – um, bench, you're going to bring up a couple of guys, but a couple of select guys. So maybe it's a little bit different. That being said, I, I still think one week is is a good amount. This okay. is where the Marlins shine. This is where the Marlins <laughs> shine. You go find your Marlins, um, even though they might be a little bit different this year. But uh, yeah, but give yeah, me some Garrett Cooper. Um, Have you checked the Marlins roster this year? Yes, I've checked the roster. Quick, giving away my my draft pick. Matt okay? Kemp. Yeah. These are all my pick notes. You're gonna make me rip the, up my pick notes. all the Marlins championship uh, bound. Which I and also I just want to make sure we all know the precedent was set. All these rule changes we're voting for, every single one of them are for next season. This season's rules are set. They are not unless we pass the rule that says uh, we could talk about that in a minute. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> Um, so this, this next 
rule change proposals, in my opinion, the biggest one. This is the one that would change our league the most. This isn't just a scoring change, it's a change of the structure of the league. And it is introducing two divisions of eight rather than, um, rather than having just everybody, all 16 together. So I've, I looked into the settings on Yahoo. I'm not gonna give my opinion on it, but I'm just gonna tell you how it works. Um, we can pick who's in what division, how it affects the schedule so you can play everybody in your, your division twice and then everybody else, if my math is correct, um, so that would be 14 weeks there. And then I think you would play six teams or if we have 20 weeks or all seven, or seven of the eight teams for 21 weeks. If we stick with 22, then you'd play everybody in the league, just everybody in your division twice. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting proposal. It's really different. I want to know what you guys think. Who proposed this? Uh, Andrew proposed it. Andrew, I love it. I love it. Let's split into two divisions. Get me some Victor in my division. Get me some Brad. <laughs> I want the easy guys. I want to face them twice a year. Um, no, but seriously, schedule makes a huge difference on whether you're going to make the playoffs or not. Uh, I don't know if this affects playoff seeding. Um, it does. That's the thing. Well, okay. that's part of it that we'd have to decide. Do we want four people in the playoffs from each division? If so, there's going to be years where somebody with a 500 record gets in and somebody that went, mm -hmm. you know, what, 12 and 10 is out. Well, you got to be the top half of your division every year. And every year you've, you know, whatever. And then, you know, every once in a while, if somebody says, hey, I really don't want to be in this division anymore after five or six years, maybe you change it up. I don't know. We come to that, you know, a little farther. But it does create a new staple to the league in that you're not just fighting all these random people. You're literally fighting one or two people at the end of the year um, for that for jockeying for that position. Uh, you know, I remember last year when I'm going in the playoffs, I'm trying to do all this math in my head. Uh, I think John was there. I mean, just there's like five or six teams within two and a half games. And I'm like, well, if John wins and this team ties, this mm -hmm. team wins and this team loses, then maybe I went, yeah, if you're just like, hey, I'm two games back of this guy, everybody behind me has already traded off their team. I'm, I got to catch this guy. If I can't catch this guy, you know, I'm out. So I actually loved the their five teams and three spots, and it was it was a disaster. You're right. I was I was in that uh, group as well. I think I was in sixth place, and you were in eighth place. Uh, or something along those lines with two weeks left and we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, the reason I don't like this, I, I, I always thought that I would want divisions. The reason that I don't think I like it is um, I feel like our league can be divided at times with the good teams and the bad teams. And I feel like this would make it worse. Um, I feel like the teams that are already struggling, if they get put into a division with three good teams and they have to play those three good teams twice as many times now, their team is just only going to be worse. Now, the argument is, well, make your team better. Yes, I totally get that. But I think that kind of puts them behind an eight ball because as we know in this keeper structure, we have teams that – are 
far and away better than others um, because of their, their starting point. Like you said, dad could have a terrible draft and his team is still phenomenal. Um, so I just worry that the, the lower teams, because like we were talking about earlier, as I was evaluating it, my top four teams with keepers were already in the top half of the league and my bottom four were already in the bottom half of the league. Um, and I, I want to see more parity. And I think that's something that our league can struggle with at times because we have some really, really strong teams at the top. I got second place last year. And, you know, I think my, my team was voted one of the bottom uh, ones. I think, you know, throughout the year, you could make your team a little bit better. You can make your team a little bit worse. Another staple that this division things adds into the mix is if you have somebody like Victor, and I, I don't mean to pick on Victor all the time, but it's an easy, easy, low-hanging fruit. If you have somebody like Victor and it's the end of the year and, you know, he's got to decide, people are asking for, let's just say, judge, and you're in his division, you're the top of his division. You're looking to extend. He ain't going to trade with you because he doesn't want to see judge in his division. He's got to play him twice a year. So that creates another little mixture here of who are you trading with? Who are you helping? You don't want to help this guy. You don't want to help this guy for the next year, the next year, the next year. It makes people not only think about this year, but also think about the next year and the next year after that. Um, and it just makes it, I, I think, a little bit more real. So it would get my vote for sure. So well, I would, the, I'd like to look into the scheduling though a little bit better, a little bit more, because it already is kind of unfair with our unbalanced schedules, with uh, you know an uneven amount. Some people play other teams more than others already. So I would have to see exactly what the schedule, how it oh, would really work out. So you already play half the league twice, and the other half once. This would just organize it. That's right. it. Like, uh, so, um, so no, you, never mind. You don't play half the league twice. You play seven out of 16 teams twice and everybody else once. So from a how often you're facing people standpoint, doesn't change a thing. Um, it would just organize who you, who you face every year. Exactly. So and, to me, for the most important part of all of this is the details. Um, because I love the idea in theory. I don't love the idea of somebody, one of the top eight teams, missing the playoffs unless it's, I mean, I kind of hate it and I kind of don't. Um, it, it depends on how we choose the divisions specifically. Like I know there was one proposal where it's like, oh, we'll just first, third, fifth, seventh, ninth, you know, they're in one division and then two, four, but like that changes every single year. That being said, I love the idea of having an in-division rival. You know, like, no, I just, feel like... just take once. Just take from this next upcoming year and just say the even numbers are in one division, the odd numbers are in another. And nobody can really – nobody can really set that. Nobody's going to be like, well, that last place team is really bad, so I'm going to get fourth. You know, that's just – I would yeah. literally get my, my top three teams that I chose – uh, the keepers. Yeah. If we did that this year, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, the teams that I picked. This year. Listen, the top three. I have no pity on. John says that we need more parity in this league. We need teams that are bad. You know, Brad, Chase, Victor, etc. We need them to have a chance to be good. They already have a chance. Victor has Aaron Judge in later in the round. Ethan has fifteen picks 
in, in the first part of the draft. You know, these people have opportunities. I'm not saying they don't have a chance. What I'm saying is that we could be stacking the cards against them. I think there's more parity in the league than you're giving credit for. Max so just are, said, we're all great managers, you know. There are four teams. <laughs> there are four managers in the league that have never made the playoffs. One of them is Chris, who in his first year last year went 10-10 and 10 with terrible keepers taking over Tater's team. Okay, so the other three are, I forgot about Tater. are Kevin, Adam, and Victor. Victor has had a bunch of, a bunch of problems along the way. Um, just some some bad trades, some bad draft picks, whatever. Uh, he's still he's got some good players to start off with, whatever. We, we've what's his best big... place? I think it's like third to last. No, no. Early on, he did a lot better. Honestly, he's just gotten worse, which is weird. Um, <laughs> okay, but enough of the Victor podcast, the Victor Victor podcast. Um, Ooh, so Adam, crazy. Adam in two seasons went fifteen and twenty five. Um, and he was actually in playoff contention for a lot of this past season. He really fell off late. Uh, Kevin has the lowest win percentage of any manager in our league, and I attribute some of that to I think he only had one win in his first season. Even Victor? Over, yeah, yeah, lower lower than Victor. He picked oh. Greg partway through the season. Keep in mind, Greg drafted this team, never checked again till June, made zero moves. Yeah. And so Kevin had to take over that team. And, and I will say – tried to rebuild it. He's the had a lot of years. That Adam, the keepers that Adam took over – were the the worst group I've ever seen. Didn't he get, we offered oh, that to oh. we offered that to Dad um, because Dad said, "Hey, I might be willing to come back." And I sent him that team. I said, "All right, you can take over this team." And he said, "Nope," <laughs> and literally passed. So, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna point out real quick. Those are not the worst keepers we've ever given a new owner. Um, no, yeah, a couple, they were a couple years back. Drunken Jerks was by far the worst. I think there was one. Uh, there was one keeper. It was like Elvis Andrus, and then the rest of it was trash. I uh, think it's been no. the same team over and over and over. I think it was Kyle's team passed down from Kyle to somebody else. The year that we were like, okay, you got to keep eight people, and he just picked the top eight the top picks. Eight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> keeper forms are a complex thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's it's tough to figure. But out. you hand it. this team down, and yes, they get sick cyclical but you're talking about people like matt who made the championship the first two years with these picks you know talking about and, it, no, it's and i'm not saying i'm not saying that they they can't do it because i think the division thing is interesting i just wouldn't want to for it to become the the rich get richer type of situation um yeah. because you're you're really stacking up against like you said they're going to play these teams anyway but that's all decided by the random um, the random scheduling that Yahoo does. If we organize it and those teams, I mean, if I have to play Max, Matt, and Chuck twice a year forever, I'm gonna be pissed. That sucks. I mean, but I mean, you deal with I it. I don't think they're gonna be pissed. I mean, one day soon, Verlander's gonna go. Kluber's gonna go. These these people are gonna age out. Nelson Cruz, my gosh, your team's like they're all senior citizens. <laughs> Average so age is I'm like forty three. Yeah. So. And then what are you going to do? You're going to replenish through the draft, which is what these people should be doing every single year with better opportunities. They have the best picks from the first, second, third, whatever rounds. These people should be rebuilding and talking about rebuilding and getting these players. People are like, oh, you got Altuve. Oh, you got this. Get your own Altuve. They're there. 
there absolutely there's somebody this year that we're not talking about that's going to be available in the 15th to 22nd round that's probably going to be a top 10 player we we don't we don't talk about soto soto was a first round pick whatever but if somebody took soto in the 18th round they're an automatic mm-hmm. contender automatically that's so true. yeah so don't complain about well trout got taken seven years nothing you can do about that and that's why I, I wanted to add the more NAs to allow for more of that because I wanted to draft Alex Bregman um, after the first year he was drafted, but I knew he wasn't going to play at all that, that year, or at least I thought he wasn't going to play at all that first year. And so I didn't want to, um, you know, take up a roster spot and be able to, you know, use up one of my keepers on that. So I didn't. And the next year I had to draft him in the second round when I, I should have drafted him in the last round. And so that's why I like the adding more NAs, having them not count towards keepers. You can take a chance on some of these guys late and build your team like that. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. I think if anything, the, some of the roster updates that we've made have, it's made it a little bit easier to close the gap. So quick, quick addition to that, to that little conversation and just a little tidbit. So we, we do know who is predicted to be number one overall pick this year, right? Yes. Who is it? Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez. Do you know? <laughs> do you know Jordan was picked last year, right? Uh, yes. Trust yes. me, this will be brought yep. up in the draft presentation. Yes. There were yes. Some... And he was. What? What round was it? Does anybody have uh, that information on hand? Uh, I think I've got it here. It was no, I remember being drafted on seventeenth. All I have to do is go down to old Master Chief Wahoo. He was a sixteenth round pick. Sixteenth round pick. You can't complain about Trout when you're dropping Alvarez in the 16th. You can't complain about, you know, whatever. So it, everybody had their opportunity. Victor has Judge. Adam could have had Alvarez. All these people can have their own players. And I think that as you go on and as you learn how this fancy football or fancy uh, baseball league works, you'll start to get smarter. I think, honestly, I predict, and I, I have no basis for this, but I predict that Victor is in the playoff hunt come September and you know has 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 learned from his past mistakes we don't even have a bold predictions part of this podcast well, I just that's, made it that's as just bold as it gets just made um it. also so just pretty bold to say that somebody's going to be in contention well <laughs> when he's gotten the last two years in a row it's the most bold thing he's gonna win play. four games <laughs> so I think in the future, we're going to try and keep these podcasts to an hour or shorter, usually 45 minutes to an hour. This first one's obviously going to be three hours because super know, long. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> Whatever. They'll love it. And if I don't know about you guys, I'm reading every single fantasy article I can find. I'm on fantasy baseball, Reddit, all that stuff. So you're welcome for the three hour podcast, guys. Um, okay. Moving past divisions, the losers bracket. This is something that is not supported by Yahoo. It would have to be manual and kind of a pain in the ass. But the thinking is you play in the loser's bracket, you try and beat the other team, and the draft order is decided on it. Instead of it just being, you got last, you know, which I, to a certain extent, like you, it takes away any incentive to tank. That being said, I've never worried about that in our league. I've never worried about anybody losing on purpose. Everybody knows the shame that comes with being last place, especially if you do it two years in a row. But um, what do you guys think? Loser's bracket. It doesn't affect me. I'm never going to be in it. So, Well, I I really like this in football because 
the number one pick in football versus the number seven pick is so different. Um, it, it makes such a big difference on the the player that you can get in our league. Uh, I mean, not to give away my strategy, but looking at the the steamer projections with the available players, like the third or fourth best player, according to steamer in our league is Marcus Simeon. Um, so as I look at the, these top picks, I don't think they are, um, I, I don't think there's as big a difference. So I don't really see the value in doing this. Now it would be fun because it would give them something to do. And we talk about the season ending so early, but I don't think this is necessary. If it was something the Yahoo offered, absolutely. But because we would have to do it on the side and somebody would have to put it on the website and make some kind of spreadsheet with it, I, I think that's a little much. Yeah, I, I um, pretty much would vote against anything that has to be manual with pen and paper. Um, we've screwed up things like Chase's Kyle Seeger's pick. Uh, we've, you My know, bad. whatever. Yeah, we are Chase. <laughs> yeah. He'll never get over it. Um, but but we've Kyle Seager you know, hit like 200 that year, though. <laughs> I know he's not good. He's still not good. But uh, but but yeah. So I will vote against it just because I think that um, if you feel that you're not going to try um, at the end of the year uh, to get the first overall pick, great. Um, I don't know how. Uh, who's number two in the draft this year? I don't know how Chase feels about being behind Victor. If he's really that upset about you lo- losing Jordan Alvarez, I don't know if Ethan is really that upset about being behind Chase and Victor. This isn't fantasy football where there's a consensus number one pick. I mean, it's very opinionated who, what your team needs. We have needs. It's not just starting from scratch. So, um, Maybe if the teams above you have the same needs, uh, then this will be more important. But uh, but yeah, the fight for number one isn't as big, and so I think the effort's kind of a waste. So I two things that we're going to take away from this podcast: Huck likes young guys. Huck has needs. You know. Uh, <laughs> also, you say that there's not a number one consensus overall pick uh, this year. I think there is. Victor, don't fuck this up. Um, you really think he's going to take old bad knees Jordan when he's got old bad knees judge? Listen. Change his name to Victor Bad Knees. Well, you know, he does change his team name every couple of years. I don't know. I just don't want to Victor Bad Knees. (laughs) Okay. John's like, don't put that evil on me. Um, I, so I don't, I don't know. I'll probably vote against it too. I don't care about the loser's bracket as much. That being said, if we're going to do something like this, I would prefer if it was like, you know, if you don't make the playoffs, then you guys that didn't make the playoffs have a draft and pick a team in the playoffs, and that's how you decide the draft order. And so if you're, you know, the 16th pick, you get the first overall pick of the – so like, oh, I'm going to draft Chuck's team. And then if Dad ends up winning the championship, then you get the number one overall pick. I think something like that, something a little bit more low-maintenance, would be a hell of a lot more fun than – co-commissioners throughout the playoff or co-managers that's what i'm saying yeah you're just you're rooting for your own like yeah you may not have made the playoffs but you and you know tony are super (laughs) tied together good luck getting him to text you back but you've got a team to root for you know what i mean 
how well, how I, shitty would it be to get last place and then get your your team that you picked knocked out in the first fucking round and well, just you just adds insult to injury? It's a beatdown. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They it just sounds can't like do anything make, right. They make bad choices constantly. You know what I mean? Well, like, and I would say you know we talk about you know tanking and that I want to encourage tanking. I want people to sell at the trade deadline. I mean, when we look at Trevor's team and how amazing all this young talent he has going from him oversleeping, sleeping straight through the draft a few years ago and auto drafting one of the worst teams ever and just being stuck all year, he took that pile of garbage and flipped it all and just made about 112 trades to be able to make a, to get a whole bunch of young guys and now you look at his team and all the young talent that he has and, and that's amazing and i i think like we were talking about um more teams would would be better if they would do that if they would sell off their good guys for some young guys or or for some uh for some depth yeah but i don't think tanking is necessarily like like trading away your best players to get good prospects i I consider tanking like not setting your lineup. For instance, if I lose oh, okay. this week, yeah. I'm going to get in last. I'm going to forget to start this guy, or I'm not going to stream pitchers all week. Stuff like that. I don't think anybody in the league would do that. Not um, streaming pitchers is not it, – it's not tanking. Uh, if you No, but I get, well, I get what you're, you're saying. down by three strikeouts, being if you need three strikeouts to win and all you have to do is pick up a pay, pitcher, then, yeah, I'd say you're losing on purpose. Yeah. Or or you're just not paying attention. Either way, you know. I don't like um, it. But yeah, I, I'll. I don't think that one will end up passing. Um, so I've got a couple quick hit scoring changes. Um, I don't think these are huge, but it's just slight changes. So one of them is saves to net saves. Basically, a blown save is minus one. Um, steals to net steals. A caught stealing is minus one. And changing OPS to on base percentage to try and take some some of the uh, power out of the juiced ball. Uh, I'll go one by one. Uh, for just basically mine are going to be no, no, no. Here's why. Uh, net saves, uh, blown saves. We used to have a, a save percentage stat. That was always very exciting. I liked save percentage. That was fun. <laughs> you were waiting. You were just – on Sunday, you've never rooted for a closer to do so bad. That was that was really a lot of fun. Um, but since then, we realized that a blown save has so many more implications than just a blown save. It'll kill your whip. Uh, it'll kill your ERA. Uh, it it will, uh, and you don't get a save. I mean, that's that's good enough for a blown save. I think to add on um, something else to really. Uh, and, and you take away, you know, somebody has five closers, four closers that they play all year, and they keep blowing them, but they keep beating in saves. It's kind of irrelevant. Um, same thing with steals. You know, I, I like people who try to steal bases. I like people who attempt to steal bases. Um, watching a game and watching somebody get caught, oh, well, you know, at least they're trying. I like when people try. Um, that's what happened to Andrew Benintendi last year was he got caught his first three times and he stopped trying. Um, so, uh, no, don't like the net steals. Uh, again, you have a bunch of steal people. You, uh, it's irrelevant. 
Uh, and the last one was... OPS to on-base percentage. No, absolutely not. OPS is one of the factors that I take into evaluating a player as a whole. Um, on-base percentage, yes, you give more of a, 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 you know, advantage to people like Carlos Santana or people who walk and get on base more. Um, but power is part of the game. Extra base hits are part of the game. Um, and I love OPS. I think OPS is a very strong tool to use. Um, and, and I would be very against getting, getting rid of it. So we should bring back errors. Just (laughs) sorry. (laughs) So I'm really on the fence on all three of these because I see value in all three. Um, I, hated save percentage it was an absolute nightmare but it was because one save could ruin everything one blown save would ruin everything and while one blown save would ruin everything with net saves i think it's uh it's a little different than save percentage was um i i really hadn't thought about it like that huck to be honest with you where when you think about a blown save does hurt your whip it hurts your era and and not getting a save i mean it's you're getting penalized. And so three categories. Um, and, and so I, I really, I, I don't mind net saves. I wouldn't mind that being a category, but my gut says, you know, no, we don't, we don't need to have that. Um, however, with all of this discussion, you guys know that I strongly believe that we have way too many categories and that I wish we could have, the 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 less categories you have the less randomness you have um so i wish we could shrink some categories and have saves plus holds but um that being said steals to net steals the one thing about caught stealing i I would say yes on this one because you don't really get penalized with a caught stealing like you do with a blown save yes you could possibly missing be missing out on a run um and obviously not getting a stolen base, but there's really no penalty for being caught, uh, for getting a, a caught stealing. So I would be cool with, with net steals. I think power has too much of a stronghold on the offensive side of our league. So I totally get the idea of moving to OBP, but I'm kind of like Huck. I love OPS. I think it's awesome. I, I really – that's one stat that I look at quite a bit whenever I'm evaluating players. And so, you know, with no real structure, no real reason other than the fact that I like OPS, I would vote no on that one. Okay. I uh, – so just to, just to be quick, I don't care about saves to net saves or steals to net steals. I would probably vote no on both of them just because it's another thing to keep track of. Um, I, I agree blown saves hurt you in two ways. Caught stealing, I honestly don't think I'd be able to form an opinion on it until after seeing it in action for like six weeks. I'd be like, oh, okay, this is actually interesting. Like, he got caught stealing, I'm tied, whatever. Um, the, my, the only one of these I submitted was OPS to on-base percentage, and it's something I've talked about for a couple of years now because when a home run is hit, you get a run, you get an RBI, you get a home run. You get batting average. You get OPS. That's so much shit for one thing. And it makes you want to go and pick up these guys batting 
215 or guys that never get on base as long as they're going to hit 30 homers. Whereas there are guys, do it, do it, right. see what happens. Do there, it. There are guys like, like Joey Votto. There are guys that, you know, walk 15% of the time. And if they yeah. hit 20 homers, they're not nearly as valuable because a walk isn't worth as much as a single in our game. Whereas in baseball, I would argue that a walk is worth more than a single because, you know, I think it rattles a pitcher a little bit more. It makes him use up a lot more pitches and, you know, you're not even putting the ball in play. I think it, it kind of sucks the air out of the defense a little bit. I hate to be, I hate to be somebody. Okay. I, I get it. And I hate to be somebody that compares it to other sports, but a running back that runs for 50 yards and doesn't score a touchdown is not as useful as somebody who runs for 10 yards and a touchdown. That's just how it works. Um, there are some people who are less exciting and just as intricate to a baseball team, not as intricate to a fancy team. Just because they walk in baseball and they're valuable to that team for getting on base does not make them valuable in fantasy. Okay, I will take that. And so you're saying 10 yards and a touchdown, that would be using our scoring, seven points. 50 yards would be five points. The difference between a home run and a walk here is a home run is five categories and a walk is a third of one. You know what I mean? Like I'm saying, take. You're getting twenty five. You're getting fifty percent more because you're getting seven point five to five. But I'm not going to argue with that. That you get the ten yards and the six points. Okay, so it's yeah, it's I guess seven points. You're getting almost fifty percent more. But the point is that you're getting slightly less than fifty percent more. I'm telling you, five categories for one home run is not necessary. And I think it makes home runs too powerful. And I think walks don't get enough. Like they just don't matter. Like I, but everybody I hits home runs. Everybody hits home runs. Except yeah, for Ben Intendi. But there are some guys that hit more home runs. For instance, I don't think Joey Gallo should be worth more than somebody that maybe hits 20 home runs but has a 380 on base. Joey Gallo almost got thrown back. Joey Gallo is not a very, you know, valuable player to a lot of us. If he hits 40 home runs, he's incredibly valuable. He, he can bat 215, and if he hits 40 He home wasn't runs, kept last year after he hit that many home runs. Was he not? Well, no, Levi, Levi drafted him fourth year. round, Levi and he dropped a lot. Third, I think. People who are a one-pony yeah. fucking person, like, like people that hit that many home runs and can't hit for average, don't hit a lot of doubles, uh, you know – you think, okay, well, yeah, they're a great player because a home run does a lot. They still have to hit those home runs. They're still going weeks. This is a weak battle. This isn't Roto, okay? So so they're still going weeks where they're going 0 for 4 in multiple games, and they might go 2 for 20 for the week with a home run. That's bad. That's That's really bad. And do that. Go do that. Go put a bunch of people on your team like that and see what happens. You're going to lose. You need the people that get on base. You need the people that walk. You need the people that hit doubles. You need a nice balance or you're not going to win. I'm arguing you don't need somebody that walks using our scoring. You just don't. Okay, you don't need somebody specifically that walks. You don't maybe. need somebody. So but like, you need somebody who gets on base. I'm looking at it right now. The guys that lead the league in walk rate also are 30-plus homer hitters. So I, I understand this still helps people like that. But like Joey Votto had a 357 on base last year after batting 261 with 15 homers. If but Joey Votto's – you're only mentioning him because Joey Votto was once a person that hit 30-something home runs and had 100-something RBIs. There's tons of people like Joey Votto. Well, I don't, I don't understand your point. There's tons of people like Joey Votto that take walks currently, or there are tons of people that – There's like Joey tons Votto of that... people who 
yes, that take walks currently that have a strong on base percentage, but we do not rank them very high because they don't hit home runs. Yeah, my argument is you should. Like I think I think that's an important thing. So you are talking about base in baseball terms that you think Joey Votto should be just as valuable as somebody, let's just say Joey Gallo. Uh, Luke Voigt. Yeah, no, I would I would absolutely I would rather have Joey Votto as my starting first baseman than Luke Voigt. I would rather have Joey Votto on my real life baseball team than uh, Joey Gallo for one year. I would. Okay. I'm sorry, like a three if if you can tell me that a guy's probably gonna get a three eighty on base and hit twenty less homers, but also not have a two eighty or three hundred on base or whatever it is. Do you think the Rangers would want to do that? Well, you really want to base our decisions on the decision-making of the Rangers? Like in their roster building ability? No, but I'm just – Would do you think – I mean, there's lots of trade scenarios that we go out, but I'd say the Rangers would be like, no, because Joey Gallo brings a certain different value than Joey Votto does. Joey Votto had a terrible year. He's had a terrible couple of years. But he's getting on base, and so you want to find hidden value in well, Joey Votto. So it's not hidden value. He bet 261 last year. It wasn't a terrible year. 261, 79 runs, 15 homers. It's not a usual Joey Votto year, but he's it, Which is and why we're having the conversation. The, the example here is I, I'm not saying home runs don't matter. I just want to make them matter a little bit less and make walks matter a little bit more. Make walks their own, basically their own category. We just did that for pitching. You know what I mean? Like, if you're gonna do that, and you're both gonna grow, if you're gonna do that, just add on base percentage. More categories. I'm on board. John loves it too. Um, Nightmare. <laughs> so the the next uh, this is technically another scoring change. I imagine we're not gonna be talking much about this, but I just have to bring it up. Um, Sutton wants to replace holds with innings pitched. He hates holds so much. I don't. Pitched. I don't think it makes any sense. But like, I just I love his vendetta. Take away a whole category of players. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I, I mean, while I totally agree with Sutton that holds are a disaster because a guy can come in, you know, give up two runs, uh, face one batter, give up two runs, and get a hold. Um, that's incredibly stupid. It's but the only reason I, I win. I kind of like holds because it opens up a whole world of other players. Yes. If we didn't have holds, man, relief pitchers would be – you'd be – you talk about keeping Kirby Yates in the fourth round. If yes. we didn't have holds and we only went for saves, I'd be taking a relief pitcher the first three rounds, three yep. picks that I had. Yep. Um, so I would rather keep holds and change either wins or quality starts for innings pitched. I don't think mm. innings pitched should be a category. Yeah. I, I think innings like, pitched is – well, innings pitched it shows value, I think, because in the world of the the starters or the openers, um, you know, you, you have guys come in and pitch two innings and then someone else might come in and pitch five innings or someone else might. And so nobody's going very long these days, and – that's making those guys that do come in and pitch six, seven innings incredibly valuable. And so I, I do like the innings pitched idea. I just wouldn't switch it out for holds. No, what, what you're talking about just now was a quality start. You're, you use all five yeah, moves every week start. or you lose the category. That, that, would be the, that would be innings pitched. If you don't use all five moves, you're going to lose that one category. Which is not a yeah, good strategy. You, 
Possible, possibly. I mean, you could stream guys. We've seen people pick up streamers all week, and those guys only last two innings each. I mean, imagine I if we lose. turned this around and we just did at bats for offense. Well, but you're going to get an at bat every single time for free, no matter what's going to happen. No, you um, walk innings pitched. You can only log innings pitched when you are effective because you're getting people out. I guess, but then it takes people streamers and everybody's streaming. Everybody's I, streaming or I, you're I losing. I like that. Yeah, I, and I'm not saying it's the best option. I'm just saying if it were an option, because I think we have too many categories, um, I think we should have wins or quality starts. I wouldn't mind innings pitched being one of those options, uh, but I would not replace holds. So I, I think we're all voting no on this. Yes. Yes. So the uh, the final one I had originally here is should so I wanted this to be the last thing we voted on in person, but should these rule change votes be done in person or online like we've done in the past? Um, while we're there, I'm going to try and keep us to a pretty strict timeline. So it's like I want people to consider these rule changes before we go. So it's not just a debate for an hour and a half. Like I don't want to delay the draft at all, but are you guys looking forward to doing this in person or do you think this is going to be a pain in the ass? Uh, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be fun conversation, but I think most of that conversation happens on our uh, text chat. Anyway, uh, I proposed this because I think that we could approve all rule changes uh, three weeks before the draft or a month before the draft and then they take place that year. If you do it before keepers go in, and we could do it online where you have a week to vote, um, then you, you go in and you, you vote, and then we know the changes and they're immediate. Last year when we made changes before the draft, and then we waited a year, I know we had it on the spreadsheet, but everybody was, how many NAs did we agree on? What was this rule change? So on and so forth. We should discuss it put it all together vote on it and then it goes into effect a month later i don't look forward to debating 15 people i really don't um i would like to go well, in 13 and people whatever 13 people yeah brad wouldn't be involved even if he was there but i don't look forward to having an argument about whether triples should be said or not, or whether this should be, you know, whatever. I don't look forward to that. I'd like to sit down and vote and get it done and then move on. Um, and I do like the effect of we're playing the way a lot of these changes that we make, especially some of the changes that you were just talking about just now, might affect the way that people draft. Mm -hmm. And only getting a month especially around keepers. Maybe people wouldn't have kept the people that they would have. Um, you got to give people time to take these changes into effect and make decisions based on them. So honestly, there's a few things. A month out. Come on. If you've already kept people, I mean, you tried to get rid of triples after I had kept all the triples people. Well, that's so, what I'm saying is get, is get rid of is before keepers go in. Sure. I mean, yeah, you could do that, I guess. You could do that. I don't think – but that's not a month for the draft. We've had our no, keepers that'd in be, for – No, that'd be January. That'd be yes. January yeah. rule change voting, basically. Right. 
that being said, I'd like to talk about some things that you want to happen right now. I haven't put in a rule, but I've thought about it over the last week and I wanted to talk about it in the podcast. Real easy and not to get into draft strategy, not to get into anything deeper. Um, but what's our minimum innings pitch limit right now? I think it's 20. 20. I think it should be 30 ish 30 why do you really want to know why john john goes down do you really want to know why do you really want me to blow this up i think it's tony isn't it tony it's 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 the strategy exactly it's the opposite i believe he's talking about me i'm talking about john John who's been in three championships in a row now get this i forgot who did what now listen to this (laughs) we took away k to walk and we made it walks that makes it so that the less innings pitch that you have, the less walks you're going to give up, which gives you another category, even better of a strategy from last year than you had before. Sounds like a repeat. Sounds like the best strategy to have in this league. And I didn't want to blow this up before the draft because this obviously this is going to make closers even less valuable or, you know, whatever. Or the more king, valuable, arguably. No, the king of this league – will have become the closer that has starting pitcher eligibility or the setup guy that has starting pitcher eligibility. But you're punting three categories. If you do that, you are punting three categories. If you have Verlander and Kluber and another starter and another starter, and that's it, and you never stream a person, and then six people on your roster who are throwing every one or two days, and you throw 26 innings, and your ERA is constantly – two point something and your whips constantly two or like around one and you're low on walks and you're, you know, punting K's and wins. You're probably going to make the championship. You're I'll probably going to make the championship. If, if you are, we made John's strategy even stronger by making walks a category. If you get 26 innings, you're going to lose K's wins. Quality starts to me every single week. I promise. And you're going to win walks, ERA, whip saves and holds. That's are five you, to three. You can't be guaranteed that you're going to win saves, holds, ERA, whip, walks. Yes, you can if you sure. have six people on your team that getting getting saves and holds against your not, – Not all the time. Not all the time, I'm telling you. As a general can, rule. It's not. I, I can tell you that it's yes. not automatic. If I can but have four closers that are better most than weeks. six relief pitchers. Sure. I'm just telling you that the strategy that Tony has – where he has 10 starters or whatever and zero relief pitchers. He is now punting not only saves and holds, but now he is punting walks. Correct. Uh, yeah. Well, yes. Maybe to a certain extent. What do you mean? Maybe. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. You know, 10 starters against four starters. You're punting walks. Probably. Yes. So now nice. when once your starter just comes in and gets shelled and doesn't walk anybody, but gives up a bunch of home runs, only that's pitches best case scenario, I guess. Yeah, that's <laughs> best case scenario. But what I'm saying is we made that strategy and the, there's a reason, and I know you guys can't see this, but there's a reason when I mentioned moved it to 35 that John immediately took his thumb and put it straight down. Um, <laughs> I, I think he's been pretty transparent about that. I've been doing this for like four years. Uh, everybody, everybody knows. No, and yeah. you're not the only one. There are other people yeah. who have, have have done this also. Um, but what we've done in these rule changes, we've made it even stronger. We've added a category. Because K to walk did not ha- take into effect the amount of innings you were pitching, while walks absolutely does. 
It's true. I honestly hadn't, hadn't thought about that. Whenever we changed it, I honestly did not, uh, you know, think about that when we moved from K to walk to walks. 30 is really not a high number. It is like six starts. Yeah. And 30 would, really 30 would change the game though, because I, I would be interested to go back and see how many times I eclipsed 30 last year. I don't think it was very many. There were a handful of weeks where my relievers were just terrible and I was going up against somebody that was just killing me in saves and holds. And so I would go out and I'd stream two or three guys. Um, other than that, I'll bet you I didn't, I didn't eclipse 30 very often. Show Max, you have a rankings last year. The rankings? Yes. Yeah. Can you show me where John was in ERA whip uh, holds and saves? So, I wasn't the top. Yeah. You were top in ERA second and whip. Um, yeah. You were okay. third and hold, second and saves. Okay. So, yeah, just fucking awesome strategy. And how, 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 I mean, just off the top of your head, where do you think he'd be in walks? Well, so, okay, he'd be near the top in walks. He still got fifth in Rogo last year. His hitting sucks. It's terrible hitting. Uh, he had 86 hitting. Or no, he had 93 hitting. He had top five hitting in the league. What are you talking about? I don't know. But I'm just, what I'm saying is John the person that won the championship. The when's John the last time you did make championship, John? What? When's the last time I didn't make the championship? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's been three years in a row now. And the year before that, I got third. So, so it let's sounds just like, up it to 30. How about that? Speaking of closers, it sounds like John can't close most of the time. Just saying. Yeah. Remember the year before? Yeah. That was a great year. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what if – So uh, on, on that idea – of doing things that are fresh in our minds. What if we kind of had a compromise and rather than a month before the, the, um, the draft, we built a trophy presentation that would involve another weekend that Brad wouldn't come to. Um, but in our football league, we typically do a, a trophy presentation where everybody gets together um, a few weeks after the championship and the champion gets the trophy and it's just an excuse for everybody to get together and get drunk. Um, and so if we did a trophy presentation, we could have essentially a Congress where before we, we, you know, before the night gets too out of hand, um, we could all sit down, we could discuss changes. We could um, discuss what went right and what went wrong over the, over the season and make changes immediately after the season is over. We could do this during the playoffs, um, the, a weekend in October, and then the rule changes would go into effect the next year. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine with that. Doesn't change the fact that people will forget what happened. That's a true uh, story. The next that's year. why I wanted to do it. That's why I wanted to do it. Do it the know, night before the draft. February. Yeah, I want to do it, you know. And I understand the night before the draft is a struggle, but if we did it in February, I, I just get tired of the talk of I need time to to do my research. Come on, guys. A month, really? You need more than a month to plan. A Didn't dozen you picks. wait to put your keepers in for like yes. last? Because it's incredibly stupid to turn our keepers in nine weeks before the the draft. That's but we need to get our rules in. <laughs> a lot. I, I I knew who my keepers were I'm, in December. So I knew who my keepers were in December too. But I wasn't going to turn them in until 
a month before because it's people too- like to look at the draft pool. You can't blame them for that. Not I, Adam. It, I asked I, Adam if he'd taken a look. He hasn't looked yet. Yeah. No. Well, and and that's it. like last year. You know, obviously it's Brad, but Brad kept saying, "I don't have time." We we you know, I don't have time to to do my research. And Brad showed up to the draft. He had no idea who was even on his team. He didn't keep Eugenio Suarez in the 18th draft. That's true. So, um, I just. <laughs> I, I I can't take the argument of I need nine weeks to prepare for a draft. We're all gonna have twelve beers before the third round, and all draft strategy is gonna go out of out of the window. I don't think people need it. I think they just want to be able to see the draft pool. They want to be able to see who everybody kept. It's like we're excited it's the, about baseball. It's the closest you can get to the draft without drafting. So we're it's excited like, about oh, okay, baseball. I mean, that's something. the bottom line. Is that I want. Here's here's the thing, and here's what happens every year. And tell me if I'm I'm anywhere close on this one. Is that we wait and we wait and we wait for you know to get in this baseball mode. It's usually after the Super Bowl because we're like, damn, it's just basketball and hockey right now, and I need something else to to cure my paying for sports. And so you start thinking about baseball, start thinking about baseball, and then once everybody's keepers are set and we get this draft pool you look at it and your immediate sense when you see this draft pool is this is terrible did everybody just keep every good player because this is just a bunch of shit and then as you do your research you're like wait a second this guy was pretty good this guy was pretty good this is okay i'm starting to get more excited about this draft it's I got an a lot excuse of to I do like. a deep dive on stuff i want to find those page three guys right. that i love you know like it, and it until is, then and I'll still take nick pavetta in the third round <laughs> and I've been doing that for, you know, a couple of weeks now. I've been doing deep dives on some of these players and saying, you know, maybe this guy's good, maybe this guy's bad. I can't do that until you put your keepers in. And until then, I'm watching hockey. Would so, you say you're going deep on young on young guys or I mean, I guess show up to the draft <laughs> that, and see. Is that what your needs require? <laughs> yes. This is what I look forward to in this podcast. Right. If you want to listen in every week, this is what you're going to get. <laughs> Uh, two so, hours of this yeah. <laughs> now that we've reached hour four of the podcast <laughs> um give me one draft prediction before we close this thing out maybe uh, i think everyone's going to yell at skype or whatever it is that we're doing with the people that are not there i think it's going to be a disaster and we're all gonna get drunk and yell at a computer yeah okay that, that makes a lot of sense uh, I think somebody who has not played in the majors yet will be drafted in the first four rounds. Oh shit! Okay. Um. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I think with dumb bets and gambling and Mario Kart and all that, I think in total, um we get to four digits and and money won and lost gambling at the draft. Uh, Like a thousand dollars total at least. uh, I don't know. That's quantifiable, but what do you mean? It's not quantifiable. How much you lost? $7. (laughs) I mean, yeah, if you're, if you're trying to play some low stakes golden eye or something, but like, if you want to play at the big boy table, you know, Mario Kart battle, or when we inevitably pay, <laughs> play poker until Sutton gets too drunk to play poker. No, I'm thinking more like I'm going to throw 
60 bucks on Michigan State. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I'm going to sit there and go, oh, well, I bet you this team's going to win. I'm going to take so many dumb bets just from you and Trevor. Like, oh, I think this team's going to win. I believe in my bracket. And I'm probably going to lose half of it because I don't know anything about basketball. But It's too bad. I think there's going to be a lot of gambling at the draft. That's my draft prediction. Is that better? Bold prediction there. (laughs) Can we get that in writing? (laughs) Listen, not all of us can predict Victor making the playoffs this year. Like, I didn't say, I said he'd be contending. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sign off on him, on him making it. You know, Huck wants to be as vague as possible. He's like, no, I think he's going to have a good time this year. Well, I will say this, and I'm not trying to be a dick. But uh, Victor still owes me from the bet that we made last year of Victor won't make playoffs, which was done by like August. <laughs> and uh, the Astros will do better than the Yankees. Both uh, haven't been paid out yet. So, Victor, if you're listening, uh, please bring that money to the draft so I can lose it promptly. Perfect. Okay, great. Well, I think, uh, I think that's enough. That's enough for me. Um, this concludes the first episode of the NPD podcast, which, by the way, what are we calling it? National Pastime Dynasty Podcast? National Pastime Podcast? I searched Spotify. There was another National Pastime Dynasty podcast, so that's unfortunate. But they did not have a logo with Bartolo Colum. Okay, so they're inferior, naturally. So I guess yep. the National Pastime Podcast? Is there one of those? No. We can decide. Well, It'll be the National Pastime Dynasty podcast for now. Okay. All right. That works for me. I wouldn't um, have the for now on there, but I mean, that's just me. Yeah, that's not very catchy. Nobody's going <laughs> to It's a working title. Nice. NPD for now. Lee. Bad acronym. That's so exciting. Um, okay. Well, to the eight to 10 people that potentially might have listened to 10 minutes of this, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll keep it a little bit shorter next week. And until next time, I'm your commissioner, and good luck at the draft. Thank you.